What is up, everybody? Welcome to the 44 Formula One podcast presented by 44.com and today's Saudi Arabian Grand Prix preview. After a uh, crazy morning of qualifying, uh, we'll go over uh, the results from that qualifying, uh, go over some DFS strategy and talk about some bets to target. I'm your host, TJ Hernandez, the director of DFS at 444.com with my co-host, Dan Weiner, the senior producer at BetSperts. Dan, what's up, buddy? Not much, man. Crazy, crazy weekend of Formula One, and we haven't even gotten to the race yet. Yeah, I mean, compared to last week when, uh, I mean, obviously um, at the end of that Bahrain race, um, we, we saw some some cars crap out. But, uh, I mean, pretty much everything went mostly as expected last week um, already with uh, with qualifying. Uh, nowhere close to that. So uh, if you are new to the podcast or, or heard about how much fun F1 was uh, last week with the first week ever of DFS and, and want to dip your toes into the water, I'd really encourage you guys to check out that first podcast from last week. At least the first 20 minutes, we really go over why we think F1 is going to be really fun um, and, and why you should try it as a DFS game. And I mean, this like like just having this show right now is part of the reason why I'm excited about Formula one is a dfs contest qualifying ended about an hour and a half ago uh you and i are doing this with very little time to prepare and there just there isn't a lot of time to get content out for people that are interested in this game and that's why i think there if, if people are really uh buckling down over these like this 18 hour period between qual- qualifying and the actual race um there just isn't a lot of time to digest what's going on or for content producers to get content out. So, you know, we're doing this um, as quickly as possible with, with the information we, we have. And I think it's going to make for a really fun DFS game. Yeah. And it's like last week it went according to plan, or at least it went how we thought it was going to go until it didn't with the Red Bulls yeah. crapping out at the end this week. I am way less confident and like just the sense of how things are going to play out. Mm-hmm. Like, I think some of the strategies that we tried last week, I think some of them will still be good, but I still think that there are, there's just so much variance. It's going to be my word every time I'm on the show with just the unfamiliarity still with this track in year two, the new cars, just, there's a lot going on and it's going to be really interesting to see how this race unfolds. Last year, there were a couple of red flags in Saudi Arabia and it was kind of a chaotic race. Max and Lewis both had just craziness at the top of the race, too. So it was exciting. It's a very dangerous track, as we saw, you know, unfortunately, with the McSchumacher crash during uh, during qualifying. But as far as the race goes, yeah, man, like I have no idea what to expect, which as a fan is going to be really exciting as a DFS player, probably a little bit uh, tricky. But, you know, hey, we're going to we're going to jump headfirst into it and see what we can come up with. Yeah, and I, I like the trickiness. Um, obviously, you don't want to see incidents, but compared to last week, um, just the likelihood of incidents is going to be a lot higher. And I, I think that's why I'm excited, especially for these few, first few weeks. I, I just, from, from what we saw today and not knowing you know what drivers are actually as good or as bad as they showed last week um in addition to uh how how volatile this track could be in terms of potential crashes uh i I don't know if what we saw that worked in dfs last week is necessarily going to work this week um but let's jump into it let's just quickly go over um practice and and mostly qualifying and and talk about those results I, i think do you have something to throw up for what we saw from um yeah from results today so um i mean the, the the two biggest surprises I think are, are Sergio taking a pole at the very last second and Lewis Hamilton not even getting out of Q1. Um, any thoughts on those two things right now? Um, the the Hamilton thing is the craziest thing. Yeah, like Hamilton hadn't been hadn't missed 
or hadn't failed to get out of Q1 under normal racing conditions, so minus penalties or whatever, since 2009. Yeah. The last time he, he didn't do it at all was uh, 2017, so it's been a long time, and he just seems to be struggling to get a hold on the car. Like He was way behind. Forget the leaders. Forget Red Bull and Ferrari. He was way behind, way behind his own teammates. Depends on teammate. That's the, that's really the concerning thing, right? Like if, if we see, uh, you know, if we would have seen Russell and, 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 um, Lewis Hamilton, both like barely squeeze into, to, uh, Q2 or something, then it's like, okay, you know, may, maybe they could, uh, figure it out. But for Lewis specifically to, to finish that far behind a teammate, um, I mean, anybody that, that is even vaguely familiar with formula one, that's just not something that happens. Right. And uh, to, to go back to something that, you know, the big story of the day outside of this race specifically, uh, Haas did just announce Mick Schumacher will not race tomorrow mm -hmm. and they're only going to run one car. So that's going to affect a lot of things. Uh, so before we, before we jump into that specifically, no, no, I mean, that's one of the biggest points that we want to talk about. Um, Sergio takes pole, Max finishes fourth. Um, those results in terms of the, how the teammates finish a little obviously a little bit surprising but it tells us what we pretty much know right uh they they sandwich the ferrari drivers so red bull ferrari clearly the cream of the crop right oh a hundred percent however and uh we have a commenter dusty bender who i think makes an interesting point that's going to be interesting to follow he says he has some uh reliable reliability concerns with the red bull cars and i think that's yeah. fair yeah. Um, we saw what happened last week. We saw what happened, you know, with, so two of the cars crapped out or both Red Bulls ended up not finishing the race. We saw Pierre Gasly not finish the race. And then Yuki Tsunoda's had a nightmare of a week. So it's fascinating because man, that Red Bull car is really, really fast. And I think Max has even more pace in his car as well that he hasn't fully unlocked this weekend. But I do think there, that is kind of another interesting element to this is like, are, are these cars fast but fragile? Uh, do you like the reliability of what we've seen from Ferrari, even if maybe there's just a touch more pace on a circuit like this than Red Bull? Because one of the things that we kind of that we've been talking about in our group chat was this this circuit has fewer slow corners, which is really where Ferrari dominated Red Bull last week. So without that edge, it's a little bit more even. But yeah, I mean, the Red Bull's supplying their own power unit now. And it, it remains to be seen how good that's going to be. I agree. Yeah. I mean, it's a clear one, two with Ferrari and Red Bull. Uh, God love Alpine just sitting there at five and seven right now. Just, you know, with McLaren and such a mess right now, Alpine is the fourth best team and hell they might, they, it's unbelievable to think that we might be able to say Alpine is the third best team right yeah, now just good. because of consistency. Yep. Yeah. Consistency. And, and again, all, all of these um, teams and, 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 and cars just trying to figure out what, what the car is. I mean, uh, even, even with um, Magnuson qualifying well today, we saw on that, that final qualifying lap, the, the porpoising, the bouncing on that mm -hmm. car was just insane. Um, you know, you mentioned McLaren, they actually showed a little bit of pace compared to last week, uh, starting on, start getting both getting to uh, Q2 uh, starting 11 and 12. So, so I think that is interesting. Um, let's, let's talk about what, what you mentioned earlier though, that Haas, that shoe, uh, that Schumacher, um, uh, crash and now he is officially out tomorrow. Um, there are some really interesting ramifications for uh, 
especially for DFS. So uh, f- again, all of us are very new to Formula One DFS because uh, it's only been out for two weeks now. Uh, so one of the rules in there, if a driver withdraws and there's no replacement driver, the teammate would be eligible for the beat teammate stat. So Magnussen's starting with five points, basically. Yeah. Uh, he, he's starting top 10 and he's getting five points because he's going to finish um, ahead of his teammate. Um, if, if I have this correct, uh, everybody in P15 through P20, they'll still start there. There should be an empty grid spot at P14, which means all of those drivers that would have started behind uh, Schumacher will start with plus one spot versus grid. They're basically going to, you know, uh, they're, they're going to, if they're starting in 20th, they're auto- automatically going to be 19th. So it get, gets them that much closer to uh, to those bonus points for moving up uh, your, your spot versus your grid. Uh, we got the three, the five, and, and the 10 move up. So, so that'll be, I mean... Probably uh, the only racer that that has a real shot to move up a, a ton of spots is maybe Lewis back there, but uh, but we'll see. Yeah, well, I mean that's but that's also going to be one of those. Uh, let me let me. I, I would like to amend that just briefly to say the only one that you can maybe think has a realistic shot to do it because I do think there's a possibility that someone in the back of the pack could move up a bunch of spots sure. just because of the potential chaos. But yeah, yeah, yeah thank you on it. True. The other thing, and this is where it's going to be a little bit different from this week than last week. You know, we talked about on the the pre the intro pod how you don't really have to pay too much attention once you get through. You don't have to get up super early on a Sunday morning the way you do with NFL. Right. But, but I wonder if Mercedes is going to risk taking the penalty on Hamilton and try to see if there's something they can do to to upgrade that car between now and 1 p.m. Eastern tomorrow and just bump like he'd be bumping from 16 to 20. It's not like yeah. he's moving a ton. And it's not like even with the car he's got now, the cars that he'd be right behind immediately, like he's behind the Williams car. He's not going to be slow compared to those cars. So that's going to be just something to keep an eye on. Uh, I wouldn't bank on it one way or another, but that, I mean, probably increases his value. And we'll get into his value a little bit more at, at some point here. But yeah, I mean, I think that's an interesting point on, on, on Magnuson, but he's also a guy who's never, he's the one, he and Zhao are the two guys in this race who have never run a full race on this track. So it's kind of interesting to think like, yeah, he's going to, he's, he's locked in. He can't finish with negative points. He can finish with zero because if he wrecks out of the race, he'll end up with negative five for, for falling, you know, the, the number of spots down the grid. But he, like you said, he's going to have the five points locked in, but is that make him more valuable than a guy like Botas who's in his, his general salary class? I mean, probably. Yeah, well, I mean, on that point, let's kind of jump right into it. Let's let's jump into um, what we how, how we think we're going to be approaching this DFS slate. Um, I, I mean, the first thing that we want to be looking at is um, it's DFS. So, do we have any value? So, a couple of things we could look at: we could look at the salaries versus where they're starting on the grid, or the salaries versus the betting odds. Um, the one that really stands out uh, that jumps off the page is Esteban Ocon. He his fifty six hundred salary. Uh, is 13th uh, among salary, starting in fifth position, so plus eight if we look at his salary rank versus grid position. Uh, and then if we look at his, his betting odds, uh, I believe he has the... I believe they gave him the 11th best odds, so plus six there. Um, I'm sorry. Um, um seventh best odds so yeah so plus six there so he's the one that really stands out um as, as a salary i think uh sergio perez uh starting at the top of the grid with the with the fifth salary um alonzo 
uh, starting seventh on the grid with the eleventh uh, highest salary. And the Danny Ricardo, uh, not a horrible value. Forty two hundred uh, gives him the sixteenth highest salary, but twelfth on the grid. Uh, really close to his teammate uh, Landon Oser, starting eleventh. So maybe chasing a plus five from Ricardo at forty two hundred won't be a bad salary. So any of these values, um, just based on their their starting uh, grid position versus their salary, pop to you. The Ricardo one is interesting because last week he had he hadn't been able to to run that car at all in Bahrain, mm-hmm. and he still managed to beat his teammate. So um, so so that's an interesting shout there. Uh, yeah, I mean the the Alpine drivers, both of them, any way that you can find to get them in because they're just they're just fairly reliable guys. Like last year, uh, last year in this race, Ocon finished uh, fourth, and uh alonzo finished 13th so he didn't do he didn't do great but he also was able to stay in the race so you know those cars are like we talk about sometimes maybe there might be some more variants you might be able to see another guy kind of rise up the ranks compared to somebody else but you know i think they're generally speaking without saying okay these guys are definitely going to wreck i think their floor is also reasonably low like obviously the the challenge with those two guys is going to be the plus five where you you can be you're 100 percent confident and you know for fact now you're going to get it with magnuson and you're very likely to get it with botas so maybe botas at like 7600 is more valuable than ocon at 5600 for that reason but like maybe not when you can maybe you allocate that two grand on ocon to somebody else yeah, and we'll jump into ownership, probable or projected ownership um, in a minute here. But I, I do think that those middle salary guys, and, and I guess uh, Botas is at seventy six hundred isn't too far. He's like a, a, on the high end of the middle salary guys. But Ocon, Fernando Alonso, and, and Botas, I think, are going to be the really interesting ones um, because you have Ocon and Alonso starting relatively high on the grid, both top seven. Uh, with Ocon being fifty six hundred, I I think he'll probably be what we had from Botas last week in terms of that, uh, that sub six K guy, that's just going to be in a ton of lineups to help things fit. Um, and, and then Botas 7,600, um, and, and some more middling lineups, uh, you know, I, I think he'll be, um, used a fair amount as well. Um, a, a couple other cheap guys, I think, uh, Alexander Albon and Lent Stroll will be popular, uh, you know, very cheap guys just because they are, probably fairly likely to to get that plus five um it looks like stroll um stroll i want to say comfortably but ahead of nico um hulkenberg um a little bit there and then albon with latifi not even getting out of q1 um albon looks like a a decent player to target at 3200 to chase those plus fives uh, anything else stand out to you from values? I mean, the one that we were talking about before we hopped on air is: d- Does Lewis have enough upside starting that low on the grid to make you even consider him? The problem is his salary is all the way up at ten point two. So, like, he needs to basically have a perfect race for you to even consider him. Because if you're paying that much, you you kind of want to be locking in a winner, right? Well, yeah, I mean, he's got to be a guy that does really well. Let me first off, I just want a clerical thing, fix something that I said that was incorrect earlier. You can add Hulkenberg to the list of guys. So there's three guys, Jal, Hulkenberg, mm-hmm. and Magnuson, who haven't raced this circuit before. Oh, okay, yep. But yeah, I mean, with Lewis, just kind of looking through the math, his ceiling, again, without chaos in front of him is probably fifth. And if 
that's the case, then fifth place gets you 10 points. Beating your teammate gets you five points. Going up 10 spots gets you five points. And finishing as a classified driver gets you one point. So, you know, as I'm sitting here right now, Lewis Hamilton's ceiling is 21 points, which means you're probably going to need him to be like that's about puts him better than what I think the guys who are going to finish third or fourth are going to do. So there are some lineup possibilities where maybe you can, you can captain Verstappen use Red Bull as your constructor and have Matt and have uh, Lewis in your lineup. And maybe that will end up being a winning strategy, but man, I'm, I'm a, I love Lewis Hamilton. I'm a Hamilton fan, but Man, that's asking a lot of a guy who just doesn't seem like he has a great handle on the machine he's driving. We were the, the, the we talked about it like he's just so far behind Russell. Forget the Ferraris and Red Bulls. He's just so far behind his teammate right now that he it, it's hard for me to want to say okay, I want to commit that kind of salary to a guy who's like the third highest salary on the board when barring chaos. You can bet Verstappen and Leclerc are going to finish in the top three or four. And with Hamilton, you just have absolutely no way to predict that's going to happen. It might be a contrarian play. Like if you're entering multiple lineups, there might be a lot of people who like there are still going to be ways where you can fit uh, Max and Leclerc in your lineups. But maybe it's a contrarian play because some people might try to figure out a way to do that. Yeah. But man, it's just a lot to ask. I, yeah, I definitely don't think um, even even though he does have a ton of uh, finishing upside versus his grid position, I just don't think there's enough there with his salary. You know, if he was, if you're getting somebody like, if, if for some reason like you know Lewis struggles and we see his salary tumble to a George Russell level, if he's at 8,600 instead of 10.2, and we think he can move up 10 positions, uh, you know, finish top five and get get those points for for moving up the grid you know then we're in business i think 10.2 is a little too much to consider him a value even with that upside but you mentioned that he is a potential contrarian play so let's jump into some uh we'll call it ownership projections we don't have hard projections right now but i do think ownership shakes out very interestingly this week because with sergio taking pole at the very end i think it really balances everything out between red bull and ferrari it was it was really going to be set up i think for people to really mimic what we saw in terms of everything going towards um, max verstappen and charles leclerc last week and i think red bull was going to dominate constructor now I think we probably see Ferrari and Red Bull who combined for over 85% of constructor last week. That probably is similar, but I think the ownership between them is much more balanced than it would have been had Ferrari finished one, two or something like that. Um, Last week, uh, Max Verstappen and Charles Leclerc both were over 60% ownership. Uh, I, I don't know if Max gets that high again because he is finishing in fourth. So we might get a little bit of ownership of value on Max. Any thoughts on how it shakes out at the top? Because I, I still think Ferrari and Red Bull um, dominate ownership, uh, but I just think it ends up being way more balanced than it would have been had Sergio not taken pole. I honestly, maybe I'm, maybe I'm believing too much in Max Verstappen, but I actually think Sergio Perez getting the pole in this race was the best possible thing that could have happened if you want to roster Max Verstappen. Oh, I absolutely agree. Because, look, Sergio Perez is a really nice guy. He's a really good driver. But, man, he's at best the third. He's the third best guy in this race at best. Like, he's not as good as Max. He's not as good as Leclerc. And the, the car overall reliability, like, 
might be more, it's just not as reliable. It might be a little bit faster, but I like to me, I think his peak is, is being the guy. And I know qualifying is his first poll and I know it's not ever really been his thing, but to me, I'd much rather still have Max Verstappen who, you know, you can maybe look at it from a contrarian point of view and say, well, he was flying in practice yesterday and then kind of had a mistake towards the end that kind of ruined his, his best lap. He, I, I know they widened the turn where he wrecked in qualifying last year. He, didn't seem to quite get as much out of the car today as he wanted to. He was complaining about the tires today, but man, he's right now. I still think that Max Verstappen's the best driver in the world. I love Lewis Hamilton, but the car's not there for Lewis Hamilton and, and Leclerc's going to be with him all year. But I, I just think that for me, I'd still rather, I know the salary you might be thinking you're getting value on Sergio Perez, but you're really not the only way you have value on him is if he wins. Right, exactly. And and that's the thing that we I, two two things I think we really need to be think about about when we're building lineups. Um being able like having a realistic shot at winning without an incident, accruing all of those 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 laps led points with the winning and then being able to multiply that in your captain position is just going to really give you a ton of upside that captain multiply uh, that i'm sorry the constructor multiplier is going to come from having those two guys finish in the top four or five um but if you are playing a, a sergio Perez at 9200 it's it's going to be like uh, we, we have we don't know if there are going to be lineup builds where Playing Perez and Verstappen is, is viable in terms of upside with two drivers from the same team in one lineup. Um, if you play Sergio and, and Red Bull and he he doesn't get the win, how much are you losing for the teams that have Max over Sergio? So I agree. I I think you um, I think it's going to really give us an edge in terms of Max not being instead of being in I don't know. 50% of captain lineups. If he ends up in, in 35% or something, I, I think the edge is there. I think what we really need to be looking at when we're thinking about ownership again, it's so early in um, F1 DFS, um, you know, it's, it's obviously in its Uber infancy, looking at who is going to be popular for these good teams compared to their teammates. So we know Leclerc is going to be way more popular than signs. If we look at Alpine, Ocon being cheaper and finishing better is probably going to be in a lot more lineups than Alonzo. Um, knowing that this could be a very high incident track, uh, really taking the advantage on ownership where things are a lot closer than the betting odds or the salaries might might prompt you to think um, is where we could find a lot of our edges. Again, especially this week when uh, we, we could have a high rate of incident. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, I think that that's a, a really, a really, you know, that's going to be valuable of where these guys are in comparison to their teammates. And the, like, I, I just, the, the Ocon value is good, but like both of those guys, like I would, I would probably try to find a way to get those guys in there because they seem fairly reliable. Um, and they're not super expensive. Like when you look at it, like comparatively uh, the Alpine drivers at 5,662, like, Still less than Orlando Norris, who did not have a good race. Still less than Pierre Gasly, who I like. Pierre Gasly, I would figure to probably get the five points over Yuki, the way Yuki's car has looked this week. But that out the AlphaTauri, like we've talked about, has the reliability issues, and then you know maybe Botas. But is Botas gonna like you're you're paying extra money for the peace of mind that Botas is gonna finish ahead of Zhao, and you're not really sure where who's going to finish first amongst the two Alpine drivers. But, you know, if you're trying to find a way to construct a, a lineup, 
maybe that's maybe that's you know the the price that you have to pay. Yeah, I, I think that the two drivers that really stand out to me in terms of um, relatively o- low ownership that we could see in a lot of winning lineups are Carlos Sainz and Fernando Alonso. Um, they're just going to be in, in so many fewer lineups than their teammates. They're both on uh, really strong teams, and I think there is going to be uh, some opportunity for playing them with their uh, with their constructor um, for a lot of upside. So let's let's get into who we are looking at um, for our captains. I mean, I think everybody, I I do think that Red Bull and Ferrari are going to dominate captains. Obviously, Leclerc is going to be in a ton of lineups because he won last week, still finishing second on the grid. Um, How are you feeling about the captain? I mean, let's just talk about the top four guys right right now. Um, Any Red Bull or Ferrari guy that, that looks like a favorite player to captain? Um, probably, I mean, I'm probably just higher on Verstappen than everybody Mm -hmm. else. Um, and I think it's just going to come down to price. I think it's just, you know, he's for the captaincy, he's 1300 or $1,200, excuse me, cheaper than Leclerc. So, you know, I don't know exactly, like I haven't run all of the permutations, but like, to me, I like having an extra 1200 bucks in my pocket if I need it for, you know, a guy who, like if you look at the, I mean, the race odds, Leclerc is plus one thirty to win. Verstappen's plus two seventy. So the books think that, you know, Leclerc is, you know, a, a much bigger favorite there. But I mean, I still think that Max Verstappen's a tough guy to go against. But I, I don't really have a preference. I still think that if if you, to me, if everything goes the way it should, I would still favor Max and Charles over their teammates in in most of these DFS formats. Um, I think with, even though Sergio finished first, I still like, I still just trust Max more as a driver. And then when it comes to the, the Ferrari drivers, since the start of last year, when they have both finished in the points, Leclerc has beaten uh, signs 13 out of 16 times. So typically when he is running well, he is going to be better than signs. So, and he's, you know, if you look at the qualifying, he's, you know, he's a spot, he's a one spot ahead of him. Uh, so that's going to just kind of be interesting to see how that plays out. But it's also fascinating again, because you now have uh, you now have the drivers, these two teams are, are grid spots one through four, and there's going to be a lot of battling early on. So like, maybe you would say, okay, well maybe I can be contrarian with, you know, maybe somebody else on the board, but like, man, I just, to me, I don't really see who I would like to favor more than the top two guys even in a race with high variance, like if you just assume that this is going to be Max and it's going to be Leclerc most of the year instead of Hamilton and Verstappen, I think until we see legitimate evidence, like if we have another race, if, you know, if in the first four or five races we continue to see the reliability issues with Red Bull, maybe it just come you just kind of have to auto fire on the Ferrari drivers. To me, it's the first two guys. Like, what is your strategy when you look at your captaincy? Yeah, we're, I mean, we're going to we're obviously going to see races where um, the the big two teams aren't taking P one uh, for for now in this race with them looking so much better than everybody. Even though we do have a potential high incident, I just think the high the vast majority of our lineups the one point five x multiplier on that captain spot uh, for getting a P one in that spot is just going to be really hard to overcome if you are trying to take down a tournament, especially with um, with so many uh, um, possible dupes out there. You just need to separate yourself from the field. 
if you're playing a, a, a single entry tournament or only playing like a three max tournament, it's going to be really hard to get away from those two teams in your captain spot, from those two drivers in your captain spot. If you're playing 20 to 150 lineups, I think you it, it would make sense to sprinkle in um, a, a couple other uh, drivers in the captain spot, you know, whether it be Perez or Signs or maybe even um, a wild card like one of the, the guys from Alpine. But um, it's not something that... I think should or or, or um, should dominate your lineup building strategy. Uh, before we talk about how we might stack those captain spots or if we will even stack those captain spots, um, anything stand out to you from constructors? Obvious uh, besides the obvious Red Bull and Ferrari. No, and I think like I, I went back and I kind of did the math on like if the race itself. Can you hear that by the way? Uh, if if I disappear, my power went out. It's no, you sound you sound good. Okay, it's thunderstorming outside. So if I disappear, I lost power. Sure. Um, <laughs> I went back and I did the math. It had the race not, had the Red Bulls not crapped out last week and had everything else gone the way that it did. Like Ferrari ended up getting 61 points. Red Bull got 37 and Mercedes got 25.7. And Mercedes isn't getting, like it just doesn't seem like Mercedes is getting that. So like maybe Alpine, like maybe Alpine might be the team that kind of fills the void a little bit in terms of like, both drivers end up getting points. It could be, but even if it's anybody else, just the ceiling is just so much higher for those top two teams that to me, like if you're, if you're and, and until you're trying to, to roster contrarian lineups, just in case there's chaos to me, it doesn't make sense, at least in my mind to take anyone other than the top two. Yeah. I, I think um, the only way I'm getting away from a, a Red Bull Ferrari um, build is with Alpine and I think the way to maximize the points in that situation is to stack an Alpine constructor with say like a lower owned Fernando Alonso versus Esteban Ocon um, and then do something like captain Max Verstappen drive Charles Leclerc and you're hoping you still get a one-two from Verstappen and Leclerc but there is if there's say an incident between Sergio and Sainz then you can potentially get two Alpine drivers in say the top four, get the points from that, from your Alpine position, get your, um, get your plus five and, you know, hopefully a, a top three from Alonzo. I think that kind of combination could make sense. If you're, if you're stacking your, one of the Alpine drivers with Alpine instructor and you're hoping, not hoping for an, an incident, but playing as if there, there might be an incident between a Red Bull and Ferrari, which is obviously possible with all of them packed so closely together in the grid. Uh, I, I think a build like that could make sense. Yeah. I, I, I I'm with you there. I'm just kind of like, to me, I always have to look at all the numbers and if like the Alpine drivers can get a fourth and a sixth, that's 20 points plus, two more points for being classified and then finishing. So that that's a 27 points for Alpine, which to me feels roughly about their ceiling. Mm -hmm. But like you said, at that point, you're also going to probably, you're going to almost certainly need one of the Red Bull and Ferrari drivers to not perform particularly well. Yeah. So again, and that's entirely possible. Like the one thing that we haven't really kind of, we, we didn't even talk about in, in the, the, the recap from the other race was, it's, it's going to be kind of fun. The narrative is going to build over time that Verstappen and Leclerc have this like long history of not necessarily getting along on the track back to their parting days. Like Verstappen and Hamilton was very much an on the track formula one old lion versus young buck kind of rivalry. It's different with Verstappen and Leclerc. They've been racing each other forever. And at a certain point it's going to be kind of, okay, well now 
these two guys are going to want to go at each other. And that's another thing that like we have to think about that we haven't really addressed is like how badly last weekend went for Red Bull. How aggressive are they going to be in subsequent races? Because they are in a massive gap for the World Drivers Championship and an even more massive gap for the Constructors Championship based on how last week went. So does that like alter how they're going to attack? Maybe not this week because this rate, this track is just so chaotic, but maybe this week like at a certain point they're gonna have to kind of take some chances and go for some things because they're gonna have to make up the gap that they created last week for themselves because of their unreliability at the end yeah so i i i think trying to figure out um you know how, how they are going going to push in terms of like like balancing what you said uh the high likelihood of an incident at this track but also like being way behind uh the eight ball in terms of how many points they lost last week um and i think that's going to kind of tie into how much we you know if we do think that um they they could gain back some of those points and and we can see like you know if if we get a a, a perez um a, a max uh sergio one two finish uh, that's where they could really gain a lot of ground, and that's where we can really pay off with like a Max Verstappen, um, Red Bull, uh, Red Bull stack, which basically flips what we saw last week with the Clerk Ferrari um, stack in terms of your captain and constructor. So, in terms of how we are going to be stacking these guys, we saw Captain Constructor dominate last week um, at Bahrain, ninety-three percent of the top one one percent lineups um, in the big tournament, and eighty-one percent of lineups that cash used a captain and constructor stack. Um, I don't think that you need to be building. 95 percent of your lives with the captain constructor stack especially with the salary constraints that it can put on you are there any stacks outside of, of red bull ferrari or the captain constructor um stack that you are uh, um targeting or, or even fading um not really because again i think that it's just i think you're gonna see kind of the same strategy with the constructor and captain it's just it's going to remain a top heavy sport and there's just going to there, there's going to be a week where you do it and something happens and you one of the ferraris wrecks and that kind of ruins your week or one of the red bulls i mean if you stacked you know verstappen and red bull last week it wrecked your it wrecked your sunday so it's going to happen but i i think over 23 races it's not going to happen that often so again i think the only way i can see it is if you're looking to be contrarian which you probably should be like you never should really just be entering one lineup in any contest. Like they're just like, give yourself some outs, but yeah, for me, probably not. Oh, yeah. I think the thing I'm really going to be focusing on this week is, um, stacking constructor with a, a driver, I think is still going to be very important. Um, I, I think that there are going to be a lot of ways with potential incidents at this track that, um, you can't have a winning lineup without, stacking your captain constructor so again even though we saw 93 percent of those top one percent lineups last week uh stack captain and constructor i think say if i'm building 100 lineups i think maybe 35 to 40 of them will stack the construct with the driver instead of the um constructor with with the captain and that's just like you know hopefully getting a you're, you're kind of in that scenario kind of trying to hit perfect with you know maybe three top four guys um but then 
the constructor isn't getting so many points if if it's a if it's a rainbow podium you know the con- no constructor is going to get 61 points like we saw last week with a one two um so there are going to be um some different ceiling scenarios but you're, you're i mean we're, you're always gonna have to hit perfect to, to win these races with such a small player pool obviously but um but giving yourself those chances to be perfect versus the field exploiting what everybody's doing like dfs isn't always just about predicting what's going to happen it's predicting what, what other people are going to do and if if 80 percent of the field is going to be stacking captain to constructor uh then it, it might give you it might make sense for you to have 35 percent of your lineups without that type of stack again we already went through the um the potential for an alpine constructor with one of their driver instead of the captain uh, so we don't need to recover that anything else from a dfs perspective that we haven't covered that that isn't encapsulated by captain constructor stacks talk no, I'm just kind of like, for me, it's trying to figure out if there's a strategy of playing like the, if you, if you're expecting chaos to actually happen, what does an optimal lineup in your mind look like? I I think the thing that, you know, building for chaos, like sounds good. And, but what, what that really means in practice, again, say you're, you're, you're maxing out a 150 lineup tournament. It doesn't mean just like spraying your, your, um, your drivers all over the place, just trying to cover every single base. It's just taking stands and spots that you might not. So for example, last week, I think I had, uh, I think I had Verstappen and a clerk and I think I had in like 85% of lineups, um, including my captain position. Probably this week, I'm not going to do that. Probably with the likelihood um, that there is an incident somewhere having lineups where um, I'm rotating in, signs or um or perez or even a dark horse like one of the alpine guys into those captain spots just giving myself enough outs to where if something crazy does happen um that that we are able to recover versus the field um building lineups where uh, red bull and ferrari just don't completely dominate um again we've talked about that with alpine so much um the the one thing i i, I don't see a, a george russell from last week where somebody that started like like 10th even though they don't beat their teammate to have enough upside to be in that winning lineup i i think this week looks like your the variance is going to come from having five cars that all beat their teammates this week um i i think that's probably what you're going to need to do yeah i just brought up the qualifying again just because i wanted to look at it yeah like the the area where you might get the the guys moving up like maybe it could be in those cars that might be a little decent so like from the Basically, from five down to I would say twelve, that Ocon, Russell, Alonso, Botas, Gasly, Magnussen, Norris, Ricardo group, like you might see the plus five in that group. You might, and like identifying that, like you know, Kevin Magnussen finished fifth last week. Is there another scenario where you're getting the plus five there, and then you get the three point bonus for Kevin Magnussen for finishing fifth again in this race? might be might be worth it but yeah i mean it's hard to kind of project which is maybe why like if you think that the reliability is is not a concern for gasly maybe there's some like extra value in botas gasly and magnuson and maybe even norris and ricardo versus ocon russell and alonso because it's hard for me to see those guys improving themselves to get those extra points that they may get does that make sense it definitely makes a lot of sense. Um, I think Gasly is probably an interesting dark horse. If we do get an incident between Red Bull and Ferrari, we saw him really pushing for um, for for a fourth place finish last week. I, I think we, if he can climb 
five spots, six spots, get that and get a, a third place finish somehow. If 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 uh, a Ferrari and a Red Bull or one of them get knocked out, he's probably the one that could can really climb up. Um, so he is he is interesting. Magnussen starting with that plus five is interesting. Is there anybody like in the back? I, I, we already talked about Lewis. Like he's the one that could really climb up the grid, but he's so expensive. Do you see anybody else that has a chance to climb the grid? Probably not. Is Yuki? Like, do we have? Is there any chance Yuki climbs a grid if his car is reliable? Sure. Like that's yeah. that 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 that's the one. Like yeah, maybe Yuki can jump. Like maybe Yuki can jump up to. Let's assume I'm going to assume Hamilton's going to finish better than 16th. I'm going to assume Hamilton. I'm gonna put Hamilton on the cusp of points here. Like, is the Alpha Tauri, if it's not a complete piece of you know what, like unable to run better than the Williams, the Aston Martin, the the and, and the 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 McLaren right now? It has been, yeah. Um yeah. So so maybe Sunoda in that regard. But it comes back to the comment earlier in the chat. Like, man, I am just so gun shy about rostering an alpha Tauri driver because of the reliability issues that they've had so far this season. And, and, and yeah, I mean, I think you also have to factor that in, like I said, with Red Bull, but Yuki could definitely, if everything goes well for him, like we saw Magnuson's car kind of crap out on him on Saturday last week, he was able to get it running enough to get one good qualifying lap and get into the top 10. And then he ran really well on Sunday, but like, uh, sure, Yuki might have a little bit of value there. You might might be able to to pull that off with with Yuki, but hey man, it's it's tough for me to want to really pull the trigger on on an Alpha Tauri driver. Yeah, I think the interesting thing about Yuki is that um, he is at that salary where I think a lot of people are going to be playing Lance Stroll and Alexander Albon to try to get that plus five. That should with them being at very similar salary to Yuki's 3,600. I think we could see a situation where Yuki's like, you know, seven, 8%. And then those two guys are, are somewhere between 25 and, and 35%. Even if they get the plus five, if Yuki could somehow climb, you know, if he, if he could suck out with, with incidents and, and the Red Bull um, gives the pace that we, uh, I'm sorry, the, the AlphaTauri gives the pace that we saw from those cars through most of the race last week. If he squeezes out a P10 starting from 20th on the grid at 3,600 at, at low ownership, I think that's a, that's an interesting one. That's yeah, I mean that's definitely fair for sure. Um, let's uh, let's wrap this thing up with the betting market. Um, we talked before; we didn't see a, a ton of value to squeeze out of the betting market. But what jumps out to you? Um, I, look, the books. It looks like the American books are all kind of are heading to the the Max Verstappen to win the race at plus 270. Yeah. Um. I'm still a believer that he has more to get out of the car than he's shown this weekend. Uh, he's also someone who is the defending world champion. It's kind of like a principal bet for me. Like, like it was Lewis Hamilton was a, ended up being a really bad bet last week. But man, at the time we just didn't know how bad that car was, and now we know that even at like Lewis Hamilton's plus five thousand or it was like plus sixty five hundred in some places. Okay, I'll buy that. Like maybe Leclerc and 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 Perez are are better than than that, but like. Man, it's Max Verstappen. Then, like I said, he's just a guy who's so good, and he's so good on race day that getting like that, those kind, that kind of odds on him. Um, I, I'm hoping we're going to get to see some matchup. There were some qualifying matchups today. Uh, shout out to anyone who was on the Perez over uh, Verstappen at plus seven fifty. <laughs> yeah, I know some people who had who had uh, Perez to to win qualifying and had the the head to head with Max. So. They're probably just going to retire from from betting on car racing from now on. But uh, the other thing that I think is kind of interesting is just like 
given that Nicholas Latifi wrecked and that Yuki Tsunoda has had issues with his car all weekend, first driver retirement market. Like there, there could be just all kinds of chaos and maybe that's a weird thing, but I love long shots and you know, Yuki's plus 1100 and he, he didn't get out of qualifying and he had issues in practice. Like that's interesting. And Latifi wrecked yesterday, although Latifi has been pretty reliable at not at least just, you know, he'll finish 19th, but he's going to finish 19th. Like he'll, he'll stay on the grid. Uh, yeah, it's, it's still a market where I, they're not really offering a ton, but, uh, like I, I bet the Verstappen to win the race. I just like, to me, I just can't look here. I just feel stupid if like Max Verstappen ends up winning that race tomorrow. And I was like, yeah, he was plus 270 in a really good car and he doesn't end up winning. Like that was when I was just like, man, I kind of have to pull the trigger on this. So I did. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's rare that you're going to see Max at that number. I mean, it's, it's rare. He's going to start fourth, but we know, um, qualifying races are very much different and Max can, can freaking race. Um, there's some, there's some decent fastest laps. You got Max and Leclerc, um, both at plus 165 for fastest lap on DK Red Bull, um, is plus money for fastest lap. Um, uh, on DK. So I, I think those are kind of interesting. Um, I, I don't think anyone's going to bet this because, uh, people just don't like, um, you know, betting minus 1000, but the safety car, uh, seeing a safety car at minus 1000, like, I mean, it, you, I don't, I don't know if you're being facetious or serious. You think it should be minus 10,000. I'm being a little facetious, but like, it, it feels like it's a pretty safe bet that it's going to happen. Like I'm not the kind of person who's going to bet a thousand to one yeah. on things, but it probably should be like 2,500 or three, 3,000 to one more so than that. Uh, all right, here's here I'm gonna throw this out just real quick. Lewis Hamilton versus George Russell head to head. Hamilton plus two twenty five. Do you think there's any chance he he pulls off that win against Russell? Uh, Russell starting at P six. Um, I think there's probably a, a a little a little juice to be squeezed out of that. I, I mean, if Mercedes has a car starting in P six, you you got to think that that Lewis is gonna feel like he can he can push there. And again, I mean, high incident, right? So I mean, the the best. Uh, you know, the best driver uh, in history um, there. Who's to say Russell just doesn't have an incident at some point. Right now they have Stroll versus Hulkenberg, Russell versus Hamilton, Verstappen versus Perez and Gasly versus Sunoda and Botas versus Zhao and, or Joe, excuse me. And, and I'm sure you can imagine there's not a ton of value on Gasly or Botas. Yeah. Hulkenberg plus 275 is a little interesting to me just because like those cars are close to each other on the grid. That's, I mean, Stroll, yeah. Stroll's got a better car, but like whatever. Um, and then, man, I don't know if just the, the high possibility of incident, maybe there's a little bit of value on like taking a flyer on just a long shot here and hoping that, that maybe there's some chaos. Yeah, we, we've talked about this quite a bit leading up uh, uh, to the season and just over the past week or so that if we can get some more of these matchup props, I think that's where we're finally going to start seeing some things that are really interesting to bet. So hopefully we see FanDuel and, and DraftKings, if the popularity starts to grow, we see them offering some more of these um, these matchups. Any any last thoughts before we get out of here? Uh, no, I mean, I think we covered just about everything and we kept it under an hour, which was a goal. So I think that's a pretty good way to, to go about it. Yeah, and uh, and again, we'll we'll be doing these previews um, every week. I, I, again, I, I think the exciting thing is that there's so little time that that um, just like everybody else, we're trying to digest these qualifying results as fast as possible. And and the difference between this end of this podcast and and locking lineups tomorrow, um, you know, things could change just once we start formulating them. So uh, make sure you are following us so uh, we can tweet out any of those updates or answer any questions you have. Um, Make sure you're checking out um, everything we're doing. We're back on Monday with myself and Sam Hoppin for the recap of the Saudi Arabian GP. Um, if 
you are familiar with 444 but don't yet have a subscription we are running a promotion you could get a free pro 444 sub if you deposit at least ten dollars on underdog fantasy using the promo code 444 you'll also get a bonus deposit match up to 100 dollars. underdog has the uh absolute best best ball games already running best ball and they will have a big tournament coming up which we'll be covering uh with a ton of content on 444 must be a new underdog user see the link in the description for that uh make sure you're checking out the 444 betting plan get access to all of our betting advice uh tons of stuff uh golf season is getting into full swing masters coming up and on that note make sure you're checking out BetSperts golf for the big masters launch and keep an eye out for the BetSperts bundle we're gonna have a really cool uh plan coming up so anything under the BetSperts umbrella you could get for one low price make sure you're keeping an eye out for that make sure you like and subscribe if you are watching us on youtube if you're listening on the dfs mvp podcast please rate and review on itunes or spotify and like i said make sure you're following all of us four for four is at four for four football Check out BetSperts Golf on Twitter at BetSperts Golf. Dan is at really Dan Weiner. I'm at TJ Hernandez. We'll talk to you guys on Monday. <laughs>